Welcome to Entrench, a 21 Pilots podcast. Hello, local dreamers. Welcome to Entrench. My name is Anna, and this is episode 19, Kitchen Sink. Make sure you've listened to the song beforehand and are ready for an in-depth analysis of track 8 off Regional at Best. How are you doing these days? I have a lot of thoughts and before we get into the track I just have some things I wanted to talk about so firstly the big thing obviously is scaled and icy came out a couple weeks ago and I would love to know what everyone is enjoying about the album what is your favorite song um, you can email me you can join the Facebook group and let me know you can join my Instagram and let me know I am really curious what everyone is thinking of the album and what everyone is bumping and I just I just want to connect with you guys I love the album it's definitely very sonically different than we are used to and for me definitely at at first especially it it took me a bit to accept how it was lyrically different from other albums Um, just because as you know I love analyzing and there's still a lot on the album there still is there's honestly more than than I think people realize I was talking with Kai about this, actually, about just some of my thoughts on spirituality throughout the album. I think there's definitely a lot. It's just a lot more subtle, similar to Trench. But yeah, in comparison to these older albums, definitely some of the songs were more simple lyrically than I'm used to. But at the same time, I find this album really refreshing. I think the more I listen to it, the more I love it. And the more I listen to it, I realize that, at least speaking for myself, having these more upbeat songs is exactly what I need right now. And I think it's definitely something that they were more so lacking in their discography, and I think that's really important. And, I mean, personally, I can see how writing more simpler, fun songs would also be a draw for Tyler as a dad now, with Rosie, and, you know... You want your toddler to be able to sing along to your songs and have them not just be super sad. Although obviously that's really important. I can see how as a dad, Tyler probably wants some fun and happy songs for Rosie to sing along to as well. Not that all of their songs are sad. That's definitely a stereotype. But yeah, I think there's definitely a time and a place for just more simple fun songs and I don't think any band is above that. I think they also are just really smart about the way that they even produced those songs. Like yes they're more poppy and in that way they seem more quote-unquote mainstream but at the same time you see stuff like in the outside the first line is I'm already bored and I just think that's so clever that Tyler is using this new sound that they're producing and playing into that and leaning into that of like yeah I acknowledge that these melodies are probably more recognizable among pop music but I don't know I just think certain lyrics like that really show that they're not just creating that to create it but they're also self-aware of the fact that it's a lot different and I think there's also just a lot of intentionality behind it as well, and there's obviously a lot of the fictional lore um, that carries over from the Trench album as well that I think also has a lot of spiritual parallels, but we will get to that later. So I watched the live stream concert, and so I just wanted to take some time. This is probably going to be an extra long episode, but I wanted to talk through some pieces of the live stream concert. I loved it. I cried multiple times. So honestly, I watched it a couple times because a few fans were saints and, you know, illegally uploaded it to YouTube <laughs> for the for people who can see it. I did buy a ticket, so I watched with my friend Beck, but we hadn't seen each other in a long time, so we honestly ended up talking a lot during, which was fun, but I'm so glad that someone was able to record it and post it, even if it was illegal, because 
I was able to rewatch it, put my headphones on, and just be alone and, like, fully absorb everything. And obviously I got way more out of my solo viewing than the first time, but that was... I was just very grateful that the Lord blessed us with a little bit of illegal recording there. And it is definitely something I would personally be willing to buy on DVD, like, if they ever were to sell that. It was so good. It was obviously... For those of you who don't know, it was more than just a concert, which is why I wanted to talk about it. I guess just jumping in, I really loved the way that they incorporated the bishops. So apparently, I don't know like all of the details, but so if you don't know, their trench album sets up this lore that there are these evil bishops and Tyler's character is named Clancy, and so Clancy is trying to escape the bishops. So carrying into this album, the live concert started with Tyler being interviewed on this couch by two people, a man and a woman, and we find out after the fact that these two people who are interviewing him and were kind of like, uh, what's the word, like throughout the concert, it would break to them as kind of like a aside in between some songs and so those two people are two of the nine bishops I believe and so it was so eerie so it starts off and it's like okay like these are just like two excited peppy people to me like for me my viewing experience this is how it was like okay two like super excited people who are interviewing Tyler but like pretty soon after it starts you can tell it's not like real because basically before the first song starts they're interviewing Tyler and they're just like super smiley and like exaggerating all of their movements and their speech and they're making all these dumb jokes that people have made so many times about 21 pilots like 21 pilots there's only two pilots and like all you know just all of these things that people who are more oblivious to 21 Pilots and probably not like actual fans are like. And so in that way it was kind of satirizing people like that. But at the same time they kept talking about how wonderful and exciting and the the whole album is and all of these pop hits and the woman was like I'm so I'm most excited to hear stressed out and just like playing on the whole idea that and I don't even know what you would call that but again just kind of satirizing like oh you're only known for this this one song you're only known for these couple popular songs like that's all your worth is boiling down to and um yeah like really in that way it's kind of a, a demeaning way that they were talking to him which makes sense if these are the evil bishops and so Tyler as they're talking at him more and more Tyler kind of just like shuts down and it keeps zooming in on Tyler's face and then he the voices start muffling out as it zooms in and then he looks up at the camera and he starts singing choker it gave me shivers it was just like the perfect portrayal of just being hounded and battered down by voices that are exhausting and voices that don't necessarily understand or have the full truth and in a way you know that that kind of directly applies into kitchen sink as well just all of the interactions the interviewers had with him just reminds me of just being filled with the lies of our worth and what what our value is and isn't based on and i think the fact that it started with the song choker was also really smart in that way because choker sings all about you know like is my worth just based on what i'm able to withstand and just like fearing that our value is is being oversimplified or that our value is not being fully seen yeah I don't know that that just really spoke to me and I really liked that and then so then it went into stressed out and 
the people in the bishop costumes, um, which was set up in the trench era, how the bishops dressed. A bunch of people dressed in those outfits came and like danced around them as they were singing. And there was that whole theme throughout the whole concert of like having all these backup dancers and all this flashy stuff and everything was very colorful. And even just the fact that Josh has normal colored hair and Tyler had pink hair. Like everything was just very opposite to what 21 Pilots usually is. And so in that way, you can kind of see how they're playing with image and they're playing with what is expected and what's not. And I think this album is is really good just as it is, but with the lore specifically, it's really encapsulating what Dima, this whole like government system, which as you can imagine is evil, is really about. Like we see that this album is sponsored by Dima. Like the Dima logo is on the physical album, which it's obviously never been on any of the albums before because it was created with this lore through the Trench album. And so if this album is coming out through Dima, then lore-wise, we know that it is inauthentic. And in that way, like with the live stream especially, it was very apparent that Tyler's character and just 21 Pilots in general is being more stifled in this album and intentionally done so. And there were a couple different moments, the most prominent of which was when they were playing Holding On To You, and the bridge is Tyler saying, entertain my faith, and he started screaming and getting really loud. And the other thing with Scaled and Icy, for those of you who are still, like, getting into it and um, have not listened to it a billion times, like, hey, I have, there's very, very minimal screaming on this album, um, which is just not what we're used to from Tony One Pilots. And... As Tyler, he started screaming, getting louder and louder, it literally cut him off in the middle of a scream, and it flashed back to these two interviewers who are two bishops. And so it's like literally just emphasizing this metaphor that they don't want what 21 Pilots represents to be heard. Um, They don't want them to have any voice or any say or any power um, in this lore, which it's just so intriguing because I'm still not to that point yet where I'm like in-depth analyzing the lore, but I definitely think there are some spiritual parallels there. I don't know exactly what I would consider the bishops to represent, but it's just, so, it's interesting to think like Christianity-wise what that could represent. And it's like, ugh, it's creepy. There's just, it's so creepy. And as the as the concert goes on, the two interviewers start like they start getting like I don't even know how you'd describe it like they start getting creepier and creepier as the live stream went on and there's this point near the end where like one of their nose starts bleeding and like their eyes are getting super red and like they basically look like they're turning into monsters it's like it's really great like they start out looking really normal just like extra creepily smiling a lot but then it like ends where they like they're they start looking more disheveled and their eyes start getting red it's just ugh, it's creepy I don't like it but like that's exactly the unnerving effect that I'm sure Tyler and Josh are going for yeah at first I like thought I was imagining it and then as it kept going back to them I was like no like they're definitely like becoming creepier every time maybe they're actually demons. Who knows? It's creepy. If you did not watch the live stream, I sincerely hope there's... I saw one reposted the other day. Chances are it's probably not up by now, but like, chances are someone's gonna repost it again. So I would really recommend you like consistently try to look for the live stream because it truly is a whole entire experience and you can tell like it's not just a concert. Like it's it's playing into things that they have created. Yeah, and there's like one point, see, I I should have taken notes to have like better things to say, but anyway, basically, so this doesn't like get a bajillion minutes long. Yeah, there's like one point where like all these sirens in the studio start going off and Tyler's like walking through the studio while all the dancers are like basically like, what's the word? I can't think of words tonight. The dancers are like, 
portraying chaos and like running away and there's just like all this chaos going on which yeah it has to be like like if the bishops are getting more disheveled and and angry and freaked out as the the show went on I think it's safe to say like Tyler and Josh's characters and the band itself in relationship to this world started getting more autonomous Oh my gosh, this is so creepy. This is literally like the screw tape letters. Like, as they become more aware of evil, like, evil starts bearing down even more. No, this is creepy. Who? <laughs> anyway, there's a. I don't remember a lot else other than there was this beautiful transition from heathens into trees, and Tyler was just sitting by himself on a boat with his ukulele and singing with no other backing and I just sobbed. They spent a lot of money on like the production and the scenes where like there's like literal different scenes like a dining table room in the middle of like a a tundra setting. There's like this whole street scene. The other cool thing is Jenna and Debbie, Tyler and Josh's wives, were both cameoed in the concert so that was fun. No Rosie though, sadly. That would have been cute but yeah i also just love seeing the ways that they incorporate their loved ones into the work that they produce because yeah it just really gives you that fun family feel as well so anyway i know i didn't touch on a lot of things but those were my initial thoughts and reactions and i would love to hear more in depth thoughts and reactions and even questions like i would love to continue to ponder what things could represent and how they could tie to Christianity and God and Satan because I am very entertained by all of it and I could honestly ponder forever. So look forward to those albums. Now we have a whole other album to start analyzing. So that's really exciting. And who knows, maybe by the time I get to the end of the discography, we'll have another album. So I don't know for sure, but that would be amazing. Some people think they already have another album planned. They're just waiting for touring. I have no idea if that's accurate, but who knows? Who knows? Anyway, I love Scaled and Icy, and I hope you do too. My favorite album is still Trench, without a doubt. But I do really love Scaled and Icy. Still unsure, like, where exactly I'd rank it. Because, like, Vessel is obviously so good as well. I don't know. I almost feel like it's such a different album for them, though, that it's, like, really hard to compare it to the ranking of all the other ones. Like, it's definitely not my favorite. But also, like, yeah, it's just so different. It's, like, it just feels like apples and oranges to me. It's not my least favorite. Not that I actually have least favorite, but... Yeah, I genuinely don't know. I have no idea. I really don't feel like I can compare it to any of the five other albums. This was really their sixth album. Wow. For some reason, I thought it was like maybe the fifth album. No, there's six. There's six now. Dang. That's cool. The other thing I wanted to mention is a Bible verse. And I found this because my friend Laura and I, who you know, actually, no, you... (laughs) You will know. You know Kate, her twin, but Laura has not officially been on a podcast yet. You've heard of her. We have been doing psalms together all year, and I came across a verse that reminded me of the Tony One Pilots logo. So I just wanted to share that right now for those of you who are not in the Facebook group. Although, if you're not, I would highly suggest joining. The group also, fun fact, the Facebook group has a new feature that I'm really excited about. You can officially make a prayer request in the Entrench Facebook group, and I just think that's the coolest thing, and then people can indicate if they've prayed for you once you've posted it. I think that's super cool, and I would highly recommend if you ever have any prayer requests, feel free to share, and feel free to keep it super vague if you're not comfortable sharing the details. That's perfectly fine and acceptable. But I would love to pray for you, and I'm sure other listeners would love to pray for you as well. So don't be shy with that. That is what our community is there for. So Psalm 118, I'm like aimlessly flipping, as you can hear. This just like really reminded me of the logo, and I will explain why. Psalm 118, verse 13. They pushed me hard to make me fall, but the Lord helped me. So whenever I've seen the logo, 
I've always, in my head, I'm sure you guys have all had your own interpretations, but in my head, the two lines have always represented people to me. I don't know why. And the line in the middle has always reminded me of an arm reaching out to the other person. So like someone's falling and someone's not. Someone's standing up straight. In my mind, that's what the logo has always meant. And so this verse, because I've always like wondered like what it has represented because I don't know, I'm, I'm sure I'm just incredibly biased, but I've always like wanted it to have a faith connotation. And in my mind, this verse basically communicates exactly what I've always hoped that the logo is, which is someone falling, the slanted line, and the thing standing is reaching out to the thing falling. So God is reaching out to someone falling to keep them from falling. That is just always what I've imagined the logo to be. And so (laughs) this verse just backs up my hypothesis, even though it's probably not actually what the logo is so that just made me really excited and I wanted to share that with you so I hope that was entertaining and I would love to know what have you always thought about the logo like have you ever like imagined to yourself it means something and if so what also that reminds me I really have not thought at all what the different logo this album could mean because Scaled and Icy doesn't have the normal 21 Pilots logo it has like a trident shaped logo so that could just be like a a dima thing just purposely making the logo different for the sake of it being quote-unquote owned by dima but it could also have a connotation i don't know thoughts i really have not thought about it at all so let me know and now the main event i would like to dig into kitchen sink and i'm not literally weeping to you right now but I promise you I was weeping while I was listening to this song it's gonna get real and this song is really hitting me personally where I'm at and so haha I'm just like super nervous to be vulnerable but I I think oftentimes it's the most impactful um and I think specifically this song is even like emphasizing that and um so all the more reason that I can have the courage to be vulnerable because Tyler and Zach are already being vulnerable in this song so we're all gonna be vulnerable together in our brokenness because ain't that the truth (laughs) so kitchen sink starts off with a beautiful melody and the essence I get is it just seems like a very echoey tone it just like makes me picture something like cavernous and large to the extent that there is an echo and the the little like plopping sound I do not like the word plopping (laughs) it just makes me think of turds honestly but the plopping sound it reminds me of raindrops and we've kind of heard that sort of before with a car torch of death but again it it reminds me like raindrops in a pond and it's almost like I just picture this little patter of rain starting to fall and then as the piano and the voice come in and then the drums and the vocals layer on top it seems like the little like drops that started have now turned into like this big storm and something that started off kind of timid and echoey becomes this full large blended sound and I think that's really cool and just the way that the piano and the vocals come in it it just again to go off the echoey portion of the aura happening I'm just picturing like this voice calling into the void and like always I mean it's setting up this intimate tone of someone crying out in pain specifically at God or at least crying out loud enough with the full knowledge that God is listening even if it's not directly at him going into verse one I feel like I literally say that every time but I don't know how else to transition so Tyler says nobody thinks what I think nobody dreams when they blink think things on the brink of blasphemy I'm my own shrink think things are after me I'm my catastrophe I'm a kitchen sink you don't know what that means because a kitchen sink to you is not a kitchen sink to me okay friend and this is the first half of the verse and I want to stop here because I think the first half and the second half 
are fairly different. And obviously, this first half is more self-focused, and it's more pained, and it's more frustrated, and it's more angry, and I really feel that. Basically, I've had a really rough year, and the best way I can describe it is that this song is really cathartic, and this song is really what I couldn't vocalize for a whole year, personally. I've been through a really rough relationship, um, and it's something that I've felt really isolated in. A couple, maybe it was a week ago, like a week or two ago, I was really thinking about it a lot, and I got really, really sad in a way I never have before. Just feeling this overwhelming, heavy loneliness. Not because I don't have community or people who love me, but I've just been feeling that this rough season is is coming to a close, but it's it's far from over for me internally. And I just have this very heavy loneliness and sadness and grief for whatever reason that's been hitting me really hard of just the fact that no one else will ever know completely what I've been through in the past year. And I know that I'm someone who gets really frustrated and upset about feeling misunderstood, but in this case, it's just this very heavy, stifling grief of no other human being will ever fully know. And I don't know why that's so important to me, but but it is. And so it's it's something I've really, really been grieving because one of my biggest hungers has always been feeling understood. And this is one of those times where I desire it more than ever, but the reality is only God can. And for better or worse, that's just a grief that I'm processing and going through. I don't know if you've ever felt that way about anything in your life, but I have. Um, And so just know that if you have, I have too. But also know that there is hope that God does know. And even when we don't explain, God knows. And he sees and he feels right along with me in real time. And that's really emotional because that's really what I've always wanted and it's definitely still not something I fully understand and I don't think I ever will but but I know that God knows even if I don't feel like it even if I can't physically feel it through a human I do know that it is true and that is a it is a truth that he does know in the immense pain in those times when the weeping gets so ugly that you start feeling like this this little tingly sting in your heart. Has anyone ever felt that? You're crying so deeply in grief that you start physically hurting inside. Just in the midst of that, having this truth that you are known and the Holy Spirit can can groan for the that that deep, deep internal pain that you can't even vocalize. It's so deep. But back to the actual lyrics, there's just so much pain in this utter isolation of acknowledging nobody thinks what I think. No one is ever going to think through things exactly the way I am. No one is ever going to process through things exactly the way the way I am. No one is exactly going to have the weaknesses the struggles, the sins that I do in the exact same situations. And nobody dreams when they blink. Nobody nobody fully understands to the extent that I that I dream and that I hope and nobody understands how how frequently or how how consistently or how deeply I have deep set dreams all the time. I am a huge dreamer and I feel this very deeply of of sometimes I dream so much that I I can spend more mental energy dreaming than actually being present in a day. I can I can spend so much time thinking about that ideal future that I want that I'm 
completely missing out on the reality of my present and this could be anything from professional ambitions to creative projects to relationships. I'm definitely someone who is always idealizing, always fantasizing, always daydreaming and I definitely feel that isolation of I feel like nobody dreams and they blink, like no one is internalizing to the same intensity and frequency that I am. Like, I feel like I'm the only one a lot of times who is not being present and who is trying so hard to imagine something that's not in the now. I've definitely felt alone in that before. Think, and here we go. Here's the super vulnerable thing. Think things on the brink of blasphemy. So now we're saying like not only does no one like think the way that I do, but now I'm going to bring in spiritual element that I feel very isolated and alone in the thoughts that I have toward God um, and specifically just very, very negative things that I should probably not be saying to someone holy. But like this is this is the rawness. This is the rawness that that has really brought me to God's feet. This is so raw that he would say this and I cannot even begin <laughs> to explain how grateful I am that he vocalized this. I a big thing I've learned this past year is I hate negative emotions and specifically with anger. I stifle it. Um, I pretend it's not there. Like, I will do anything. I will die <laughs> before I will ever show that I'm angry. And something that's really drawn me to Tyler's songwriting um, and something that really brought the song home for me is the fact that he is so blunt and he is so raw in his literal yelling and screaming. And as someone who is so masked and so pressured and stifling of toward myself with my negative emotions, like this is everything that I feel and everything that I think and would say if I was the external processor that he is being in this song. Um, like, just as my character is, like, I would never actually scream and yell in this way, but, but in reality, like, it's exactly what I am internally feeling. Like, I do want to scream and yell to this extent. <laughs> Even if I never actually do that in front of another human being, the reality of how deep I feel is the screaming and this anger. And something that, like, really reminded me of this... Um, and just that, that alienation of maybe I'm the only one who, who thinks such things that are so blasphemous towards God is from this book I'm currently reading called Forgiving What You Can't Forget by Lisa Turkhurst, and this has a lot to do with what I've gone through in the last year, so I really wanted to read this passage. Shoot, I closed the book, so I have to find it again. <laughs> Ooh, oh my gosh, I like flipped to it the second try. Wow, look at me. <laughs> it's probably divine intervention. <laughs> so, so she, Lisa, is talking with her husband here and she's referencing a relationship she went through. She says, in a decorative statement that rivaled a prosecutor's closing argument made while pounding a table full of surefire evidence, I declared, I just need to know that you acknowledge the pain these people caused me. Their choices were wrong and hurtful and so selfish, and I don't even know that they know how wrong they were. I thought I was in a good place with this, but now I'm not, and I'm confused and hurt all over again. And now I'm angry that they didn't just hurt me years ago, they are hurting me all over again tonight, which makes me feel not healed and exposed and frustrated. I need you to defend me, I need to hear you make this right. And then she says this of her husband. Art listened, and then he calmly asked, Lisa, are you angry that you haven't seen evidence of God defending you? And there it was. I think a big layer for me of what I've gone through that I haven't realized until now is there have been a handful of times where I've been angry with God. And I think this past year has definitely been one of them. Yeah. 
think things on the brink of blasphemy. Like, I am right there. God, why would you do this? Why did this have to happen in this way? Um, why couldn't you have done it some other way? Why did you do it in a context that made me feel very isolated? In a worldly context that made me feel even more isolated? Why was I in this relationship completely isolated from everyone else? Like no one was regularly witnessing or observing this, this relationship. And I think the biggest pain and anger that I've had that I, I did vocalize to someone today has been another big grief and frustration of feeling like I spent my whole life growing with, with God and growing in God and becoming an individual. And somehow in the last year, I started in taking way more lies and truth and just like how and why God did you lead me all of these years just to have this one year come up that feels like it it feels like all my work was completely upended from my entire life I don't think I'll ever know why but I I have never felt so hounded by lies in my life this consistently for this many months in a row and I just I I don't think I can fully explain how deep this song hits me other than praise God I am currently processing it through a very severe season of healing it's interesting because I've always wanted and frankly personality wise needed to live alone it just comes at an interesting time in this healing process because I feel like I'm also, how timely, I feel like I'm also the most vulnerable to believing lies right now, just where I'm at in the healing process. And yeah, I've, I'm just sad. I'm sad for what I lost the past year. I lost a lot. Mostly what I lost was confidence and self-esteem. And I, it's just a grief of, of knowing that I traded truths in for lies and I, I traded a firm foundation in for the human being. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I don't know how things like this can happen. It's one of those things where I've, I've definitely gone through severe valleys of blaming myself, but I got in this situation to begin with, which is not true and it's not helpful. But just like standing right now in the aftermath, I'm just looking at all of the lies that I've taped to my forehead and I'm like, I really got to this point? How did, how did that just happen? It definitely does make me question myself, like, did I really let that happen? But, but also, like, the strength can never be in me. Anyway, I'm just spilling my guts now and we're on the second line, so... I'm my own shrink, yup. Especially when you're isolated and you're overthinking and you're feeling misunderstood and feeling angry at God. Think things are after me. This to me plays directly into the lies and in the same way I've never felt more frequently for this long of a period of time hounded by spiritual warfare. It is very real and just like the creepy bishops it's very creepy and just the amount of creepiness i have experienced in literal isolation is terrifying because it's real but these are also the moments where my faith grows a lot because i can't be dependent on other people in these moments of solitude i have to be dependent on the lord and in that way i know it's it's already a very growing and important season a season for discipline and authenticity and boundary building and healing while it does come with temptations to alienate and it does come with temptations to stew on lies and to get too into my head i think there's also a lot a lot of healing positives that i really need in light of everything as well and, and so i really do think it's timely and a blessing as well i just think currently i'm at this 
this hump, this super painful hump in the healing process where I'm just fully recognizing the mountain I have to climb that God will guide me on and also sit with me on every tiny millimeter of the way. But yeah, it's just currently one of those times where it looks really overwhelming from here. But really, I need to stop looking at the top of the mountain and I just need to to focus on one foot in front of the other right now. And so, yeah, in light of the blasphemy, in light of the lies, in light of the spiritual warfare, in light of the in light of the very self-centeredness that this first half of the stanza brings, he falls into I'm my own catastrophe. I'm my own problem. And I also understand the sentiment of taking stock of my autonomy and knowing that these internal issues and the thought processes and everything really is showing that, I mean, no one else is guiding my internal life. It is completely me, and in that way, I can definitely see the frustration of I'm my catastrophe. And then he goes to say, this is like, to me, it's like the epitome of his frustration. He's like, I'm a kitchen sink. You don't know what that means because a kitchen sink to you is not a kitchen sink to me, okay, friend? And I'm just picturing him talking to a loved one and just being so aggravated. Like, nobody thinks what I think. No one knows what I'm going through. Nobody processes the way I do. No one gets just outright angry and agitated like I do. No one understands. No one is ever going to know. I'm just like an utter mental breakdown. Like, I am so hopeless and lost right now. And there's nothing that can be done about it. I'm a kitchen sink. Just like getting so aggravated. Like, (laughs) I just, I need you to understand how badly you don't understand. I'm going to tell you something that you can't even understand the meaning of. Because I'm so mad right now. And you're never going to (laughs) understand. Just like that stubbornness. Like, I relate to that so hard. It's interesting. I, we will, we will never know what a kitchen sink means to him. And we're not supposed to. But I also think of the parallel between this and Attic with a Pen. Where he's talking about holding the water in the palm of his hand. Like, his hope, his faith. And in that same way, like, when I think about a kitchen sink. Like, it holds water, but it always will have to drain at some point. And so, that's just a parallel that caught my attention. That can very well go along with what he's already saying as far as, like, I'm hopeless, I'm hopeless, I'm hopeless, and you don't understand, and you can't do anything about it. But it's just like this, just leave me here, because I'm hopeless. Like, just that utter defeat and frustration, and, oh my gosh, I just relate to that so hard. And just taking that out on someone as well because of the intensity of the pain. Okay, friend? (laughs) Like, don't try to tell me you know because you don't. But then, the other part, sorry, the other thing I want to say is he has actually also talked about this, the sentiment of a kitchen sink. Not what it literally means to him, but the importance of something, especially in the context of depression, Something that can keep you going if you are more tempted by suicidal ideations is creating something that only you understand. So you have to, you have to stick around because you're the only person that can explain that thing that you created. And this is a perfect example of what he goes into in the second half of this verse. And this is where it starts getting more powerful because now instead of being so internal focused where all the lies are, he starts looking outwards toward the friend. And he's also in that way showing that he's not just intaking lies, he's actually learning something. And that's what he's going to now communicate. And so it's just this good, beautiful reminder that that we can be as as aggravated, we can be as agitated as we want to be. pissed off with God as much as we want to be and mad at everyone mad at everything frustrated beyond compare but no matter what we think no matter how much I feel like I could have done that or I could have done that or I somehow could have been avoided or whatever at the end of the day it happened and the thing is though as painful and and terrible as it 
it was, whatever it was for you or for me, we did still learn something from it and we would not be at this place where we are starting to turn pain into beauty had it not been for this thing that we've been through. And that could be a relationship, but that could also just be a circumstance or a health condition or just a very severe scenario that is just nagging. He goes on to say, are you searching for purpose? Then write something. Yeah, it might be worthless. Then paint something. It might be wordless. Pointless curses, nonsense verses. You'll see purpose start to surface. No one else is dealing with your demons, meaning maybe defeating them could be the beginning of your meaning, friend. So he's turning his circumstances around and saying, okay, I'm going to tell you what I've learned. So if you are searching for purpose like me, create something and just keep creating it. It doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense. It doesn't matter if you don't like it. Take what's happened, create something from it. And as you keep creating and committing to taking what's happened and creating something from it, you'll see purpose start to surface. And I love that because, yeah, maybe you're writing words down that don't even make sense. And maybe they'll never make sense. And But the point is not that they don't make sense. The point is that if you keep doing it, it's going to become something. If you keep writing words, yeah, they might not make sense, but but it's going to turn into a page or two pages. It's going to become something. It's not going to be nothing. You could paint something and you might hate it, but it's still something and it's still its own type of beauty, even if no one understands it. And even if no one understands, the pain is, is part of something that is being created that means a whole lot more than the situation itself. The point is what happened happened and yet it's still not the end of what is happening. It's still not the end of the journey and it's definitely not the end of the story or your identity or your conversation with God or your emotions. And no one else is dealing with it. Like, let's just straight out say it. Yes, no one's ever going to understand exactly. But, but that means that going about something you know is bringing you closer to God, even if no one else understands, that is what matters. And there is so much freedom in that for me, knowing that I do not have to justify what I'm doing to anyone, because all that matters is who I'm focusing on when I'm doing the things. It doesn't matter what other people's perceptions are. It doesn't matter what other people's opinions are. It doesn't matter if they would do what I would do or not. What matters is taking what I know about myself and doing what I know is getting me closer to God. And in my case, away from idolizing people. Because people are terrible idols. And I've known that for a very long time. Yet that does not mean that I don't struggle with that because I probably always will. But I do believe that despite the anger and the confusion and the immense grief for what was lost. I also know I would not be where I am without everything that has happened. And in a lot of ways, I did need what happened. I needed it for my future relationships. I needed it for fleeing from certain sins that this really brought to light. I needed it. It might not be what I wanted. It definitely was not (laughs) what I wanted. That doesn't mean it's how it was supposed to go either because we're in a broken world, broken people. But certainly I do know that God takes things and he allows us to learn from them. I don't necessarily think there's a meaning for everything. I think sometimes some stuff is just evil. Some stuff is just sin. Some stuff is just brokenness. But God takes those things that are purely that and he weaves it into something better. And I think I've found a lot of pain and frustration in trying to understand, to understand where all of the evil fits in this narrative. But I don't think the point is, is understanding what I went through or why. I think there's a lot I'm never gonna know. But I think the more I get perspective, the more I see that, that understanding it fully was never the point. The point is the promise that God will redeem the experience for something bigger than I can even imagine. 
whether it's for me, for the other person, surely for both, but also for other people and what they're going to go through. Something that always makes me think better thoughts and something that Tyler does in this first stanza is to fight the lies. A good solution is to take what you know to be lies and to share the truth and the lies with someone else in a similar situation. And I always find great solace in knowing that things may have sucked and there may never be a good reason for why, but I can take that situation and have a lot to say for something someone else is going through that's similar. And yeah, I believe, because I'm working really hard to validate myself, I believe that I went through something that is not typical, um, that not everyone will go through in their lifetime, and yet I, I believe that because of that, I also went through it for the people who, who will go through something like it. Yeah, that's that. <laughs> I guess that's all I really had to say about that. I love how the tone changed here to, instead of just anger and frustration and self-pity, it, it turned into learning and truth. So, into the chorus. It's literally just a repetition of go away and leave me alone. And it's such a beautiful, haunting depiction of speaking directly at evil, speaking directly at lies, addressing the evilness for what it is, and asking it to flee. And in Jesus' name, let it be so. We have a God who casts out every demon and a God who makes all things new. And we have the ability to direct our voices at what is not of God and speak truth at it. And we have so many beautiful truths that remind us that God will make the enemy his footstool and there may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. All those who sow weeping will go out with songs of joy. Those are the types of truths that can give us strength in Christ to address the evil for what it is and to look at dead on and, and acknowledge that it's present but also acknowledge that it's not the end of the story. And in that way, that in and of itself is, is turning something evil into something that's beautiful and being used for glorification. We may be talking about things like blasphemous thoughts, but, but really as a whole body of work, what this song is doing is creating something beautiful in its rawness and in its humility and weakness and its recognition of evil. I think it's it's infinitely important as a song in the way that it addresses all of these things. So verse 2, let's address the other person now and also affirm that there are some similarities here, even if we don't understand one another perfectly or ever will. Nobody thinks what you think. No one. Empathy might be on the brink of extinction, they will play a game and say they know what you're going through, and I tried to come up with an artistic way to say they don't know you, and neither do I. So here's a prime example of a stand-up guy who hates what he believes and loves it at the same time. Here's my brother, and his head's screwed up, but that's alright. There is this commonality in our unique experiences. Yes, we all go through unique experiences, but we have this commonality that we all go through unique experiences and no one is ever going to fully know the thoughts in your mind or your weaknesses or your lies or your temptations. But we have that in common, ironically enough. People will try to say they know what you're going through and to some extent people maybe do, but at the same time, they never completely will. So basically, the sentiment and the summary here is no one will ever know you as a human being. So here's someone who sits in attention of what he believes, hating it and loving it at the same time. And as someone who is doing an emotions devotional and someone who feels emotions very deeply, I love that he states this, that there is this tension in our emotions but that faith goes beyond it. So we can hate stuff sometimes, we can love it, or any of the sundry of emotions in between, but at the end of the day, 
God's identity and our identity and grace and mercy and all of the other beautiful truths of scripture are not based on our situations and they're not based on our emotions and so we can feel what we want we can hate all we want but that's not going to change the reality and how liberating is that to know that it doesn't matter what we throw at god it doesn't change anything the reality of who he is or how he feels about us and again this this authenticity and rawness and authentic i literally just said authenticity and i almost said it again <laughs> his admittance that his brother's screwed up but that's all right and just that truth that okay we're gonna like keep talking right now but also just remember that the, clearly we're both screwed up people and God's still gonna use it like these are very imperfect and emotional thoughts that are being said throughout this song but God is still using it just like he has used everyone in the Bible despite their sins and imperfections and he uses each of us despite our imperfections and again like we're never too big or hopeless for God despite what was being sung in the beginning of the song there's now this admittance of okay yeah like we're we're really really screwed up but but actually it's all right and actually it's not the end of our identity God will still use it and so there's there's just that little bit of of softening to the truth in that sentiment as well and so the bridge is Zach Joseph and I just want to say I have learned this whole thing to the exact rhythm. It took a lot of tries. I'm not gonna do it right now, but I'm also curious. Can you do this whole rap? Because it is their fastest one. But like once you get it, it just flows so well. It's very satisfying. So Zach says, time gains momentum, the moment when I'm living in them. I'm winning a momentary, sinning a moment passing after, re-beginning moments, mending memories. Pretending enemies are frenemies, sending me straight to bending me. My bad behavior, but I bet I could have been a better man. Copy and paste caught me, and copy better rhymes bother me. The better the rhythm, the better I am, but I battle battle with them battle better I am. Gambling man, better bet I am a gambling man I am. Okay, first of all, just the fact that it starts with time gains momentum, and he just starts singing faster and faster. But it's interesting because this to me is like time gains momentum the moment when I'm living in the moment. And this also reminds me of the screw tape letters because it's all about how Satan wants us either in the past or in the future, but where God has actually called us to is the present. And so this just reminds me of that tension of, okay, I'm living in the present, which is what God has for me, but because it's what God has for me, Satan wants to like speed us up to get to like sin again because he does not like that. So I'm winning a momentary, sinning a moment, passing after. Sin is now hounding for attention because that's what Satan wants. We're living in a broken world. He wants our attention. So yeah, for a moment, we're doing good. We're being present. Well, guess what? Not for very long because a moment later, sin. But a re-beginning moment's Mending memories. This just makes me think, okay, once again, I like refound the way to be close to truth and God. So, like, yeah, I did just sin, but like, now my memories are being mended by this re beginning moment. But then it's like, okay, we're back in sin again. Pretending enemies are frenemies. Like, these lies are trying so hard to convince me that, that they somehow are correct and we need to be buddies. So that sends me straight to bending me. It's like we're literally just so caught in this spiritual war that we're being tugged back and forth like every second, more times than we can ever fully comprehend. He goes on to say, I bet I could have been a better man. So now Satan's sprinkling in what he loves to do with his shame and his guilt knowing the amount of times we sin and the frequency and also just sprinkling in all those lies again. He wants us stuck in those places on top of isolation. And so because of that, he goes on to say, copy and paste caught me. And 
I interpret that as just something very robotic. Like if you're copying and pasting something, you're not really doing something significant. You're just kind of going along with something already laid out for you. And to me, I just take that to be like sin. Just we're going off instinct here. So once again, I'm caught in sin. And also better rhymes bother me. So also getting caught in comparison. And that's making me angry because I feel like I'm not the best. And despite the spiritual respite, that is the truth of our value and that there cannot be no comparison. I'm, I'm starting to fall into believing that lie again because it just seems like there are better rhymes out there. And so the better the rhythm, the better I am. Like, in that comparison, we start to resent and grow bitter and just harbor negative emotions. But I battle battle with them. Battle. Like, at the same time, though, I know that I'm going to keep fighting in this tension because there's spiritual warfare going on. Better I am, gambling man. Better bet I am a gambling man. I am. And so, again, just kind of emphasizing this, this gamble and faith of being tugged back and forth, back and forth. And it's kind of always like, I don't really know what's going to happen today. <laughs> How many times I'm going to sin? Who knows? Might pull up with someone. Might, like, I don't know cheat at a test. <laughs> I don't know why that was the first thing I thought of. But like, it's just kind of a gamble. Like, when are lies gonna hit us next? When are we gonna feel more peace? When is the spiritual warfare gonna hit? And it's just like chaotic and confusing. And in light of all of that, like, again, it's kind of like we started off strong and now we're starting to get dragged down and, and frustrated and confused by all of the, the lies and the evil again. And so it goes back to the repetition of go away, leave me alone, these things are crowding my vision again, and this is just, I mean, this is our lives. Basically, our whole lives are all about us continually trying to heal from all of the brokenness this world throws at us, and yeah, like, every day we have new things that we have to heal from, let alone when, when you're facing a particularly hard season, like for me, with the, with the past year. So, there's just this persistent exhausted cry of go away leave me alone and I also cannot relate more to this utter exhaustion like to the point where you are pleading you are getting hoarse you are start screaming like so frustrated just falling into a tantrum because it's so angering and frustrating and just feeling absolutely drowned out by lies and so far from God and truth. I love how it starts off this utter exhausted plea towards Satan and evil again and then in the moment of most frustration and hopelessness there is this cry for God. Don't leave me alone in light of all of this and this to me is the game changer and it goes out on this note don't leave me alone and even through the exhaustion and the lies and the fears and the alienation the end note as the tantrum and exhaustion dies down into nothingness because there's absolutely no air left in our lungs we come to rest within truth nothing could be more important and so I really want to end this time with a prayer because I'm sure you have all of your own battles that you are or have or will go through. And we are constantly more than we will ever fully understand in this war. But take heart. We are in it to win it. <laughs> we are in it together and we are never alone even when we are physically alone. Lord, I just want to thank you for everyone who is sitting with me right now, wherever they are. Thank you that I am not alone. Thank you that anyone listening is not alone. Thank you that you can join us in these moments of utter, raw vulnerability and weakness. Lord, I thank you for the ways that you have brought me to my knees in distress because it just further emphasizes how weak I am and how imperfect I am without you. 
I thank you that no matter the amount of pain and unfairness the world will deal to each of us and has and will continue to do, that you are constantly weaving your righteousness through it all. And maybe we won't see it until the afterlife, but we can trust that even when evil has its way, you are still somehow reshaping that evil into something bigger than we can ever imagine. I just want to pray for each person listening, whatever they are going through, wherever they are at, wherever they are at with their attitude towards you. I just pray that they would find the strength to be fully honest, even if it's on the brink of blasphemy. We can't heal until we are fully honest where we are at, Lord, and in that way, we can take heart in knowing that our our yoke is going to be lifted, in knowing that we are placing our hope, our exhaustion, and any other feeling onto you. Lord, I just pray that everyone would feel their anger, feel their grief, and work through it with you. I pray against stifling emotions. I pray against alienation. I pray against isolation. Lord, I pray that you would make it abundantly clear that lies are lies. And I pray that you would give us each the strength to acknowledge them for what they are. And I pray that you would remind us that we don't have to remain in them. We have the ability to take our thoughts captive through your strength. And we have the ability to run towards truth. I just pray against anything that is trying to tell anyone that they can't trust other people or that they can't be honest with other people. Lord, we need one another, especially when the going gets tough. And I just pray against all evil that is trying to divide and isolate. I pray for the best everyone but I pray that that we would continue to remember that we are in a broken world and so things are never going to look like what we would ideally want them to but our goal is not to please one another Lord and I I just pray that you would continue to lead us and show us all the ways that we can lay aside our desires to be what we think other people want us to be and to step into what you've called for us and I pray that you would continue to show us that we matter and that we have value in validating ourselves Lord we are weak but you are strong and I thank you that you are persistent in your grace persistent in your patience and persistent in your peace Thank you for an opportunity for us to be in community right now, even if we're not physically together. And I pray that each of us in our different seasons can take solace in knowing that we are on the winning side. Amen. I want to hear from you. You can email entrenchpodcast at gmail.com with a written account of your 21 Pilots story or your favorite memories you have related to the band. You can also reach out with an episode request if you want to analyze a song, video, or album with me. Many songs are still available now, including Scaled and Icy, so feel free to send requests for any of those songs if any of them are jumping out at you. And if you would like to contribute to the analysis we've already covered or ask for prayers, you can join the podcast Facebook group by searching Entrench Podcast Group. You can find Entrench on Podbean, Verbal, Spotify, Apple Music, and Amazon Music. On Instagram, you can find me at entrench underscore pod. I look forward to hearing from you. Tune in next time for Anathema. Thank you so much for listening, friends. Stay alive and remember, entrench, you're not alone. Do, 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 do.